Oh boy, oh boy. Race and racism feels like it's everywhere these days, right? Even in all of our nerdy escapism, there's a greater and greater push to be diverse and inclusive. Hell, these days, D&D is saying that orcs aren't even naturally evil, brutal, dark-skinned monsters anymore. And, uh, yeah, good. Race has been a thing in fantasy and sci-fi for a long time. With a diverse world or universe being the bread and butter of epic fantasy and space opera for decades. But much more prevalent is our topic today full-on copy-pasting cultures onto fictional creatures with zero concern about what that could possibly mean for literally anyone not white. We're talking race coding today on Why Aren't You Talking About This? Nerd. Hello everyone, and welcome to Why Are You Talking About This Nerd, aka Waytat Nerd. I am your host, William, and I want to thank you all for listening, even if it's to roast the fuck out of me in reviews or in comments or to make internet drama videos. The listens are appreciated regardless. Oh, and if you are making a drama video, I really advise you to scrape other parts of the barrel. The bottom's still in mint condition. Now, this is usually the part of the episode where I tell you all about the awesome and totally not death threat and spam-filled updates and emails I'm receiving, but given that A, this is a new podcast from a absolute nobody, and B, this is the third episode of a batch of three to give my lazy ass four weeks of content head start. So instead, I'll remind you how this works. I find a topic that gets my nuts twisted in a bad way, and I do research on it, and then regurgitate into your mouth like that one Chainsaw Man scene in a way that hopefully is funny or is at the very least not boring to listen to. I'll tell you the definitions, some history, and why it's such a massive issue, and then how to fix it in your own writing. So let's get into it. Okay, so first of all, before we all panic, take a deep breath. Here, I'll do it with you. So this topic is spicy as fuck, has a lot of contention around it that mirrors real-world contentious attitudes. And speaking as a white man, this topic scares the hell out of me. Because honestly, I think that creators of color should be listened to about this over me. What I'm going to do is really just ease you onto this thing with plenty of lube and affirmations. So let's start by asking, what is race coding? And this depends on which reality you're talking about, because it's also a thing in the actual real world instead of this meta world that writers exist in where we talk about made up shit like it actually happened, but still understand that's not real. Now in the real world, race coding is the attributing and associating a number of things like politics, behaviors, physical traits, activities, economics, 
a ton of other shit with one particular ethnic group. Now, this can be done in two separate ways, both having to do with the definition of what coding is. In the first, meaning like a secret code, would be doing the thing that's so prevalent in film and music that's become a joke. That being, say, a black actor is trying out for a role, and the scum-suckling, jism-guzzling executive watching tells them to urban it up. And we all know as a code for black, but saying black in this case is clearly racist, so instead they hide behind it by using the word urban. And now the other option is code as in category. Basically that people use different ethnic groups as a way to sort data, like a government sorting population statistics by ethnicity, or an organization wanting to look diverse will make you write your ethnicity in a box for brownie points. However, this is also something the brain does because it's a wet, sloppy, glorified categorizing machine that became just self-aware enough to be sad that it exists. Well, obviously the first one is awful and very clearly racist, both of these can and usually are pretty shitty. In fiction, however, race coding is the process of imitating a real-life ethnicity and fitting it over your fictional ethnic groups, like putting a king-size fitted sheet on a queen mattress. This includes things like cultural traits, speech patterns and language, physical traits or fashions, and everyone's favorite things ever, measured by use, not by enjoyment, stereotypes. Because very much like real-world race coding, it doesn't have to be true, you just have to make it clear who you think you're coding. Like the Fu Manchu mustache and all the aliens in your setting that say the word honor has the same vaguely Asian music playing in every scene they're in, is clearly race coding them Asian, despite the fact that the number of people who have worn that mustache because they thought it was Asian is smaller than the number of people who wore it to be a prick. Asian cultures aren't all honor-based, and that you picked literally one song in 1961 and decided, this is Asian music now. This can also include things that, in-universe, wouldn't make any fucking sense, and are literally only included to be a scumbag. Like, transcribing how your dark-skinned characters talk into AAE, despite the fact that knowing your fantasy setting speaks English, have no idea what America is, and are also in the backwater Middle Ages. Race coding, at least in fiction, isn't, is making a race hated or distrusted for reasons that are bigger than their race or outside of reasons in the real world. For example, if your funky-looking aliens with eyeballs for nipples are persecuted because their empire is at war with humanity, that isn't race coding. But it would be if humans responded by kicking them all out of their homes and putting them in camps out in the middle of the desert until the war was over because that's what America did to the Japanese during World War II. Now, you should also probably cover what race actually is under these contexts. So race in the real world, and why I try to say ethnicity now, is made the fuck up. Race is defined as the social construct that categorizes humans by skin color, physiological features, and genetic history. Now, race was a concept that went from a word that meant kin group in the 1500s and before to be applied to large groups to support the racial hierarchy that puts white people at the top and everyone else below them and to legitimize treating people like shit by being able to say oh only x group are humans because they're the only ones with my human traits yeah race is a relatively new concept and not to say that people didn't categorize each other before then but it was mostly about your family, and your language, which is where the word ethnicity comes from in the first place. And because ultimately, when you peel off the skin, 
We all function the same and can also interbreed, which is, you know, how a species works. In fiction, however, race is almost entirely different. In fiction, it's a collection of physiological, psychological, and usually cultural traits that when combined define a group of people in the world. So like the dwarf race isn't just anyone below four feet tall, includes everyone with an extra organ to store beer and has a beard thicker than my massive horse cock. Now, unlike real world races, almost none of these races are related and are usually based off folklore, pure imagination, or just have the serial numbers scraped off of them from someone else's setting, as is the proud tradition of writers. Now, the other difference is that unlike in the real world, Usually these races cannot interbreed and produce fertile offspring, or them fucking each other usually cannot result in a pregnancy, much to the disappointment of the breeding fetish community. Alternatively, this process is very difficult or results in some really horrific monster or is relegated to specific species. Like, it was old D&D lore that orcs would breed with anyone, which is extra fucking scary when you consider every other part of their lore. So, now looking at these, we have a bit of a basis for understanding this topic better, and I've hopefully dispelled the fears that I'm secretly a racist, or was going to reveal some really fucked up shit about what I think about some certain minority. Trust me, I am just a white dude trying my best to show that I actually give a fuck, instead of virtue signaling or being one of those starts in the right place old dudes who still use racial slurs when he talks about minorities deserving rights. Also, as I hope you can see, there's some stark points already being made. I mean, for one, race coding a real ethnicity onto a fake one can cause issues like dehumanization by literally portraying another sub-sub-sub-sub-sub-type of human as a non-human creature or turning the vague and minor differences between human ethnicities into massive fucking chasms. And also, getting into the other term I want to describe here that I swear to all that is holy and profane and rogan and propane that I have not found described that everyone agrees is a thing. This is something I'm calling the backwash effect. The backwash effect is based on the thing gross people and children, sorry for saying gross people twice, do when they drink something. Rocket spit back into the beverage. The backwash effect is when you conflate a thing in your fictional world with a real world inspiration and subconsciously alter your audience's perception of both the fictional thing and the inspiration with the other. It sounds complicated, but, for example, say that you base the culture of your goblins on the culture of the Sioux Native Americans. Now, if you don't break the suspension of disbelief, your audience's brain is still in learning mode, so seeing things that remind them of real-world stuff, their brains will automatically associate the information you're giving them with their understanding of the Sioux and form a connection, no matter how small, between goblins and Sioux. But goblins, in fiction, are stupid, weak, paranoid, backstabbing, often treacherous and stinky, and more often than not, abusive as fuck. And your already preconceived notions of the Sioux bleed into your perception of goblins. Now, for most people, this might at worst just cause some mild confusion when they mistakenly think that the Sioux use poison bugs in their heads, or are surprised when a goblin tribe aren't nomadic before they realize, oh right, that's from that one story. And at best, it can be inspiration for their next story. But if it's someone's first exposure to both things, or if your writing suddenly gets popular and it's the cool new thing to slap Native American stereotypes on your goblins, then a lot of the information in this person's brain is conflating these stinky, stupid, backsapling goblins with Native Americans. Thus, the backwash effect. So with that covered, let's get into the history. Oh. 
Now, since we covered the origins of the word race, we're going to jump directly into the literary history of people focusing on it and using race coding, starting with 1859. Now, if you know history or were given the educational equivalent of a moldy corner of white bread like everyone else in the U.S. K-12 system, you know that this was a contentious time as far as race goes, not just in America, but across the world. This also just so happens to be the year of publication for the first sci-fi novels, and as you can imagine, this means that sci-fi from the beginning was balls deep in the idea of race and racism. But this wasn't just the worst possible way you can imagine. There were stories like Herman Lang's The Air Battle, about Asians and Africans using white slaves to go to war with each other, but there were also stories like Martin R. Delaney's Blake, or The Huts of America, A Tale of the Mississippi Valley, The Southern United States, and Cuba, quite the title, that followed a black narrator on a cross-country tour of black Americans of the day. Throughout the 1800s, race was a very common talking point in literature, especially fiction and would one day be sci-fi, including some white supremacist literature like Final War in 1896 or The Yellow Menace in 1898, which if you couldn't tell, that second one is about the threats that Asians were to white people. At this time, before 1900, as we were starting to realize we could write about shit that didn't exist yet, both inevitably and clearly, race came up. It was something that a variety of authors had a variety of reactions to. Some thought that minorities would become majorities and were either really happy about that or scared out of their fucking jimmies. Others continued to tout that the power of white people, like enjoying mayonnaise and having a complex around people that failed the paper bag test, would make them the supreme type of human being on Earth and either eliminate or enslave all other races, and were again shining their schlong to the thought or blasting out of both ends in fear. Very few during this period had race as a footnote in their speculative fiction writing, with most at least talking about the fates of the human races in their world. 1901, through the Second World War, as in the U.S. especially, racial freedom was on the rise. Much of the sci-fi of the time used this as an opportunity to experiment a bit with the concept. Like the 1915 book White Men's Burden, playing off the poem by the same name, telling white people they're meant to be the mentors of the other equally as ancient cultures across the world, which white people, relegated to North America, attack the utopian post-scarcity society in Africa and get their fucking cheeks clap harder than your mom does every Tuesday. Much of the white anger and sissy fit of the white narrator before he gets teleported back to 1915 in his own time and learns nothing from the experience. While Black No More, in 1931, mocks the idea of race in general by introducing skin pigment changing technology that turns the narrator white and he joins the KKK as one of its leaders. But, of course, being white people in America, we couldn't just chill the fuck out for two seconds and let minorities vent their frustrations like a Karen overhearing retail workers huss on their lunch break. But in the same period, white people made a ton of books talking about how evil and terrible anyone who couldn't hide on top of a vat of vanilla ice cream are, including the 1928 book The Menace, which is not about Dennis. Rather, it's about black people pretending to be white people to infiltrate politics and the social order and overthrow it, assumedly by ripping off the masks of pasty old white dudes in the middle of a congressional hearing to reveal a room full of black people. Which honestly just sounds like it'd be the best fucking prank ever imagined. Tricking a bunch of racist scumbags into voting the entire Congress black, and then having to hospitalize them to stop them from walking off the top of the Memphis Bass Pro Shop. But in the book, rather than doing what 90% of America would do and just kind of shrug, 
the narrator takes it personally and dressed in blackface to undermine the movement from within. And we're supposed to like him. Which, if I had to tell you that you shouldn't like him, that that's a problem. Get help. Now, in 1954, a groundbreaking piece of fiction was published that changed fiction forever. Fantasy especially, which until that point had largely taken place on Earth. Yes, I mean Lord of the Rings. Which, if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings or me, it's probably not good that I'm bringing it up here. Throughout the years, Tolkien has been accused of including expressively racist imagery in his work, especially describing orcs with dark skin and slanted eyes, or the elves, the symbol of good in his setting, being almost entirely pasty white people, or how the men of Harad were portrayed as faceless Middle Eastern and near-Asian villains, and how in private letters he based some of the dwarven culture off of Jewish culture, including stereotypes about hoarding wealth. Yikes. However, on the other side of it, Tolkien was an espoused anti-racist and spoke openly and often very publicly about how the Shoah, most people call it the Holocaust, apartheid, and other racist and often fascist acts must not only be opposed but villainized. And look, while I want to give him the benefit of context for the racial imagery, like orcs being elves corrupted by some terrible trauma and these bloodthirsty evil creatures that deserve only death, or the Eastmen getting several moments of humanization. Unfortunately, the context doesn't matter here. And why is that? Because no matter how much you explain, the thing that gets carried out of his works aren't the cultural or story context for these creatures and cultures. Rather, it's the imagery of Eastmen bad and orcs are ugly, monstrous, and vaguely Asian. And Tolkien fans, please put down your swords and torches. As a fan of fantasy, I owe a lot to Tolkien and respect his work a great amount. You can love the work an artist has created, but you have to admit the problematic parts. Like, you know, I generally really love the Bill and Ted movies, but use the R word and the F word, and I don't mean fuck. Anyways, once Tolkien came along, the fiction genre changed forever. Now everyone was absolutely obsessed and in love with his lore and the level of detail he had poured in this epic fantasy, and the full novels of information not even included in the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings trilogy. That level of care hadn't really been seen in that capacity, and nerds, the parasitic little goblins we are, took these ideas and ran with them, including, unfortunately, the racial implications. Around the same time, during the American Civil Rights Movement, we see fiction used more and more to ask questions about race, usually coming down to what the reality is for the racial minorities in the U.S., and how do we deal with the civil rights movement on an emotional level. On top of that, many of these stories were also used to address fears of the vague and foreign other. While most magazines and publishers hid this behind a mask of aliens, elves, and robots like a bunch of fucking cowards, other creators fully embraced that they were just legit talking about race. Like the story that could literally just be republished today in full, Harry Harrison's Mute Milton from 1966, which follows a black scientist that invents fuelless energy and is shot by police due to mistaken identity and his invention it fades into obscurity because no one gives a single shit about the good black people do for America. And if you don't think that couldn't happen, I'm going to clockwork orange you to a chair and make you watch the fucking news for 24 hours straight, you milk-slugging, bulk-wearing, white-suited, creepy fuck. The use of AI and androids became particularly popular around this time for the use of minority narratives. As characters in the story wrestle with the rights of machines, they can use that as an allegory to explore the rights being fought for by minorities around them. And obviously, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but still, a lot of writers are doing this. 
either intentionally or because robots are fucking awesome and they needed to sound profound after the fact. And now we jump to the 1970s, where two new players enter the ring to once again forever change sci-fi and fantasy, and to fully integrate race coding as a genre trope of both. First in 1973 came Dungeons & Dragons, a game that at the time actually had both was actually good. D&D being introduced showed a whole new generation of nerds the silhouettes of Tolkien's well-crafted races and world building and only gave them the controls but also gave them the power to create their own worlds to play with. And it exploded in popularity like a hamster in the microwave and much like that example the genre and the microwave were never the same again. Meaning that the halflings, dwarves, elves, orcs, and goblins we see today in almost every fantasy media under the sun was inspired by Tolkien, Vance, and other writers from the 1950s and 60s, filtered through the lens of a 1973 Gary Gygax, and also bands of sweaty nerds across the U.S. that would later read and write fantasy, which I think explains why it's so prevalent in fantasy, at least. Now, the great change in sci-fi was massively influenced by Star Trek in 1969 and later Star Wars in 1977. Now, the alien designs for both were based very heavily on the 1960s pulp sci-fi designs for aliens. Additionally, for Star Trek specifically, it was built on the desire to both explore and represent humanity in a way that hadn't been done before. So, a lot of aliens had inspirations from real-world cultures, which include the Klingons, who were based pretty heavily in both Russian and Chinese influences from the era. Problem was, one of the creators, Dean Roddenberry, had served in the Pacific Theater of World War II, so he partially based the Klingon on his own experiences during the war, which unfortunately also meant, regardless of intent, that some of the reasonably acquired trauma stereotypes made it into their design. It's like if, as a male creator, you had trauma around women abusing you, and then try to write a fair and well-designed female character, the result is probably going to be misogynistic on the fair end. And for a long time, the Klingons have come up again and again as a problem with Star Trek, from yellowface and blackface allegations to the whole Fu Manchu mustache, their obsession over honorable combat and nothing else, and their treatment as empty-headed antagonists with murder boners have all been recurring issues. But the thing is, is that as a white kid watching Star Trek, or three of the only five decent Star Wars things ever exist, none of that crosses your mind. Instead, what sticks to the musty, spider-important-infested attic you call a brain is that they look fucking cool, which admittedly, they do. Which takes us all the way to the present day. Now, over time, larger and larger sections of the nerd community have come to the consensus that maybe we should stop basing everything off of fiction that was created in the 1970s by people who were influenced while the gloriously in hindsight kind of racist stuff based off of actually racist stuff based on actual racists. Now, this isn't because we white people realize we're wrong. It's because people of color started to make nerd shit, and slowly more and more people who wanted to actually have fun and aren't some fucked up masochists were becoming interested in sci-fi and fantasy. Throughout the additions of games like D&D, nearly in line with this increase, race has meant less and less culminating in the 2021 announcement that Dungeons & Dragons had finally followed the example of literally three-quarters of all fantasy role-playing games and pulled back race to be a few features and cosmetics, allowing players to take more control. And along the same lines, with few exceptions like the Star Wars prequels, new examples of race coding has taken a downturn in storytelling across fiction. While sci-fi and fantasy still very commonly have it, most of the coding is mixed in with unique additions, 
dipping the tip from multiple places, or just straight up lifting a species from the general brain juices that is the fiction meta. And with that, we're going to talk more about modern concerns of race coding. So, seeing as race coding is still done, despite the fact that we can very clearly see it's dubiously okay, let's talk about why people race code even as we speak. Or, I speak. If you're talking back to me right now, I can't hear you because this is in the past. Now, the first reason, and probably the most common, is that race coding is easy. Imagine, if you will, that you're trying to make a fully fleshed out world full of distinct cultures and people and organizations for your next role-playing game whose first session is rapidly approaching. But you can just lean on real-world cultures and ethnicities to do that for you, because most likely, what's going to happen anyways is your fuckhead, piece-of-shit players won't even do anything but try to bang and then kill the local hooker like they're playing GTA or get stuck on the second plot point and tell you you're bad at your job like a five-year-old that somehow became a game journalist throwing a tantrum. So it doesn't even matter if these cultures aren't unique. You just need something to fill the gap in case your players decide to ascend to literally anything beyond the least competent people that have ever lived and finish your story in a single night. Alternatively, if you're writing a story because of Tolkien and his linguistics degree having ass, so many writers feel like they need a lore document denser than the skull of the average Bleach fan to even start writing, it's easier to just take a general outline of the real-world culture and put in the matching region of the world and move on to other shit. And in both cases, it's easier than really trying that hard, and if it's for a place that's unlikely to get much attention, it's probably fine anyways. Secondly, people also race code because they genuinely think the thing that they're using is cool. This might be someone who took inspiration from another fictional thing that was race coding, or they're pulling from real-life cultures themselves. Maybe they're super into Chinese naval history like the fucking nerd they are, and so they copy-paste the navy of a Chinese dynasty about 1 in 10 white people even know about into their space opera as the primary ships of the Imperial Navy. Now, of course, unfortunately, it's the same Imperial Navy that just glassed the planet because the horny teenager that got handy from the Admiral's daughter just so happened to live there. So that might make some people get weird about this clearly Chinese-inspired group committing a war crime on civilians. But on the other hand, someone writing a fantasy novel really likes the interpretation of elves being a tribal culture in touch with nature, living in an endlessly chilly forest far to the west. So they changed the brand name from Magic the Gathering to Aching Mega Titer, and just slot that concept in the world without really considering the implied race coding of elves, with all the baggage that has as a Native American. You know, the whole narcissistic ultra-racism that elves are known for. Third is someone trying to be diverse or inclusive in their storytelling. This, on its own, isn't a bad thing. If you pull it off, it can be a really, really good piece of writing that both manages to be inclusive and was a whole lot easier to write. But if you're reading much of anything, you know that very rarely does someone create a good piece of writing. It's impossible to make a piece of writing that doesn't have at least one issue. If you don't pull it off correctly, well, get a story like Bright which is one that, to me, at least felt like Baby's first racial allegory to sit down and watch with your vaguely racist family as a way to introduce them to the idea that racism is bad. As a piece of media on its own, obviously implying minorities are discriminated against because their ancestors did an oopsie and almost did a genocide is, uh, kind of comfy. Or stupid. I mean, really, when it comes down to being inclusive, 
if you have to try it, there's a good chance you're going to fuck it up real bad. And if that's you, stick around for later. Fourth is someone trying to write an allegory. In this case, if you're sitting down and using race coding as an explicit attempt to make people go, oh, like that thing I saw on the news. This has its own dangers besides looking preachy and making your friends reply cringe to a story you probably should have spent more time with. You know, such as when people who are very much aware of the backwash effect look at your story where the Romani, or Gypsy if you're dumb, are tieflings and very reasonably go, wait a second, are you saying the Romani are people created by their mom getting creamified by Satan? And they have to tell them, no, I didn't think that far and just want a group to serve as an allegory of a racial minority that's unfairly persecuted for the things they didn't do. And now your allegory falls apart because rather than looking at the allegory you spend months creating, they're instead solely focused on clowning on you for doing an accidental racism. And no, that definitely isn't a personal story. Don't look at my Google Drive. But what an allegory in this case is trying to do is abandon subtlety altogether and bash your fucking brains in with their point. Which is usually to not be a shitfucker to people who are different because they're different. And then finally is that someone is actually just being a racist. Which, fuck me, I hope that isn't a significant enough number of stories for y'all to fucking blast my butt with examples. I really hope it's like four stories made in the 80s and the Star Wars prequels. Okay, with that established, let's talk about the arguments around race coding. And to play devil's advocate, we'll start with the reasons to use this trope. And I'll be covering both the good ones and also the shitty ones, so buckle up, huckle suck, it might get spicy. First, representation matters. And unfortunately, white creators don't get anywhere near enough exposure to other cultures or ethnicities to accurately or effectively represent those cultures and races. So what you do, have a story with zero representation because that's what you're comfortable with and that's what you know you can do, or strap on your grown-up panties, try your fucking best by tossing your best shot at understanding a culture you aren't part of and trying to get it right. There's part of this argument that can go even as far to say that any kind of representation well, at the very least, thrust the culture in question into spotlight and start a conversation, even if that conversation is bad. Here's the problem. That isn't how it works. First, the human brain has a recency bias, meaning that the first time you learn something is going to stick harder than the 30,000 people afterwards telling you, no, X racial group does not fuck their sister under a horse to stop Jesus from watching. Also, bad representation does real-world harm. It's important to have representation that puts people in a fair light. Meaning, you need to have people of different cultures and ethnic backgrounds doing people things. Yes, you should try to make a clear and good representation. But it isn't representation when you race code all of your bad guy aliens as Hispanic or make the servants of the Dark Lord clearly quote-unquote inspired by Afghanistani rebels. Second, it's a fuck ton easier and actually gets you writing to code an entire region of particular culture. Sure, you could have a 500-page write-up about this particular culture and the things they do for fun, and why exactly they are 0.05% different from feudal Japan, or you could actually write that book you want to write and just slap the feudal Japan stamp on the entire area and let your readers fill in the rest. And some readers, including readers that are actually minorities, can very reasonably get tired of you trying to over-explain why you are a racist instead of getting on with it. If the characters only reference the region, you can say something that communicates, you know, like, feel Japan, and then let your audience tell you later if they want to know more rather than assuming they give a fuck and are calling you an asshole. Now, like the last one, this also has problems. Sure, it is easier, but lazy writing is always easier than giving a shit and trying. If it matters enough to bring it up, put some effort into not just slapping stickers onto a world map at random. 
And also, as a trope with such a long history of being used either purposefully or accidentally for some really racist shit, if you're going to use it, maybe it's a good idea to explain. This third, not troglodyte argument, is kind of in between the two camps of can be reasoned with and can't be reasoned with. This argument is that having a certain level of in-depth inclusivity and diversity can loop around, be weirdly demeaning, and feel pandering, or even worse to erase the diversity you're trying to include. So in order to make sure your readers stay focused and know what thing you're trying to be inclusive about, you can and probably should have everything else be very simple race-coded set dressing. For example, if you're trying to make an allegory for how horrific the treatment of refugees fleeing from Syria to Europe was, it would model your point to have your refugee stand-ins stop at a space station as all the fun facts you could cram about modern Greece you could, rather than just put the general stamp of Greece on it. You know, i.e. collapsing currency, neo-Nazis that want to return to Spartan, heroes, you know, all the Greek stereotypes. I put this one in the middle because while I think for a particular story makes a point, on the other hand, diversity isn't a pie. There's not a limited amount of representation that all the people in the world have to share. And your audience, if you write your story in a way besides shittily, will know where to put their attention. You don't need to race code. It's not like blasting someone in the face with the entire spectrum of sounds all at once and telling them to find the four you actually cared about. And while it might be possible to be over-inclusive, that's a problem that exists only with media that is far too preachy to be liked by literally anyone, and I don't think even exists. And the reason why this one is in the middle is because, sure, some reasonable people might argue this, most of the people who will use this as a reason probably also think there's hordes of their least favorite minority trying to use diversity as an excuse to fuck their wife. Now, I bet you're curious about the shitty arguments, or as I like to call them, excuses. Uh, this pair of arguments don't even really try to be reasonable. And the first one is nostalgia. You know, the whole, this is the fantasy I grew up on, where men are muscly heroes, or scrawny old bald dudes with metal plates on their heads and high-collared wizard robes where we didn't ask questions about why my party of adventurers in the desert killing weirdly Arabic-coated gnolls. We just sat back, turned our brains off, and had fun, and that is the only right way to enjoy fantasy. If you don't like the good old days, you can get the fuck out of my house. And the thing is, is that it's very easy to let slip under a radar. And this whole excuse preys on it by pretending to be harmless nostalgia while actually just being racist with extra steps. What makes people wary about nostalgic middle-aged men? And why is this whole argument racist? Because for them, it was better when fantasy was whites only, no girls and no gays allowed treehouse where they could pretend to be wizards and warriors that could beat up their bullies and get Jessica to touch their wiener. Now, here's the thing. I will give some people the benefit of the doubt here because the other people that use this argument literally just don't like change in any way, shape, or form and just straight up don't understand why it's an issue or don't want to think like that. Which is still a little closed-minded, but at least they aren't trying to be racist. You know, like Grandpa that still uses Asian slurs because his best friend from high school died in the Pacific. Is he being racist? Yes, absolutely. Can we stop him? No, absolutely not. Is he too old for it to keep happening for very long? Probably. Grandpa doesn't have much left for this world. Alright, the other one is actually just outwardly racist. Uh, in this argument, and hold on to your nuts and C-U-N-T's, they say that it's easier to tell who to root for when everything is very neatly divided. And for people that use this argument, they are 100% cool with it being biracial lines. This is the argument that's literally saying, and don't take this quote out of context, 
quote, yeah, I'm okay with race coding, helps me know who to hate, unquote. With everything we've covered so far, is there an excuse for this? No, obviously not. And now, normally I do a flip side, and if you're upset with me for not, take a pause for a moment. Well, sure, there's theoretically stuff to cover here. But one, it's something we're going to cover soon anyways, and two, what the fuck do you want me to do? Find six unique ways to tell you that race coding is usually racist and lazy and not a good idea? Alright, let's discuss why this matters. Okay, so as much as I've told you that it's bad, why should anyone care or do anything? First of all, I'd like to say that I'm honored that you're listening, Tucker Carlson. It's honestly really cool to have family members tell me that they heard me get talk about getting fucked in the ass on Fox News. Jokes aside, race coding is steeped in some shitty or potentially shitty history. As we discussed, when it resurges in the modern age with Tolkien and Star Trek, it was either done without the attention it deserved or potentially maliciously to cause harm to minorities. And it's not on the shoulders of modern fiction writers to answer for that, but it is on our shoulders to address it by being better. In fiction, a lot of race coding that happens come from previous inspirations stacked on top of each other, as they become popular is molded into the general conception of that fantasy or sci-fi race, which can cause compounding issues when those beings are poured into other media via the backwash effect again. Let's look at dwarves, for example. The current consensus of dwarves that they are a money-loving, insular, xenophobic, hard-drinking, hard-forgetting race that lives in mountain fortresses, love beards, and speak with a vaguely Scots-Irish-Norse accent. Now, originally, Tolkien took linguistic inspiration from Hebrew. It's also assumed they probably took some stereotypical influence from them, too. And then with the dwarves picking up the hard-drinking and violent stereotypes, along with the Scotch accents, now they're a Scottish stereotype, too. And as long as we use this version of dwarves, every time we give them a new outfit and a fresh new language inspired by a culture we couldn't be fucked to research or make ourselves, we run the risk of adding to this amalgus blob that is dwarves that can unfortunately inset the minds of people who aren't really aware of it to think of not only the culture you painted on them, but also the Jewish and Scots-Irish Norse in the context of dwarves. So this chain of inspiration can eventually build something that doesn't resemble a real culture but still has the stereotypes and labels of real-world people stapled to it like a shitty middle school or science fair display. So by using race coding, you always run the risk of adding stereotypes to someone's perceptions of a real group. Now, the other reason this is really important is that as Americans, especially, but all over the world, race and racism pervades our minds. It bounces in our skulls and also hits us like a trucking schoolgirl in the news from friends and family and the entire outside world. We're constantly absorbing information about it, and so adding to the white noise of new information, bullshit and not, can be overwhelming and become difficult to source. Meaning that you might have learned something about orcs being highly aggressive in a particular universe, because you're constantly bombarded by race stuff, it kind of just gets filed there, and before you know it, some poor brain cell working a double shift for half the pay misfiles it into a real ethnicity. In addition, because we're so constantly bombarded by race and are highly alert for racial terminology, it can subtract massively from audience retention to include race coding. For example, both orcs being highly aggressive and drow having dark black skin are both terms that trigger the air raid sirens as your brain and body prepare themselves to hear the n-word in a southern accent, and they're now thinking you're talking about real-world races. And so, if you then code the entire highly aggressive race or the extremely dark-skinned race onto any real-world ethnicity, 
audience has a pretty high chance to ask, hey, are you saying Mongolians are dumb, highly aggressive warmongers because you made the orcs horse archers from the eastern steppes? Or ask, are you saying that Indians are violent, misanthropic elitists that ravage the countryside of other countries because they're afraid of an actual fight? Because you made a drow warrior cast of Rajput. Race coding is also very important to manage and keep an eye on because of the habit of fantasy especially to make the good guys be a small handful of pale-skinned people mowing down hordes of darker-skinned faceless enemies. When you code these enemies to be a particular ethnicity, you're communicating some, you know, heinous ideas. This isn't really helped in any way by the fact that most fantasy creators could pass the paper bag test if you bleached it. Of course, as we've already talked about, there's also the entirety of the backwash effect to consider. And when combined into a soup and you stop watching the pot, i.e. you stop noticing or caring about race coding, it boils over and now you have a piping hot stream of racism ruining grandma's new kitchen carpet. It's important to be mindful of and notice race coding and respond appropriately because when you don't, we get the motherfucking 1960s pulp comics again. Or in other words, racist caricatures and weirdly always fighting Asians. And like prison, you can't make me go back. You'll have to shoot me. So now let's get on the application so we can all write this shit better. And I really mean that. While, yes, with what we've covered so far, race coding is something that probably overall you should stay away from, like religious people when you're under the age of 18, that's not to say that you should never, ever write about race and ethnicity, because oftentimes the inspiration someone needs is to see someone who's their exact demographics in the spotlight. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, actually, to show middle-of-the-road, gifted kid, burnout, queer, chubby boys with poorly defined, almost crippling, but not enough to get sympathy for mental illnesses, that you can do something you're proud of and that you aren't alone. And people of much less specific demographics deserve a wide range of characters to look at and see themselves. So then, how do you write race without race coding? First, let's go over how not to do it. And this is based off the article, Five Signs Your Story is Racist, by Oren Ashkenazi. Uh, this list of things is going to act like a checklist for you to make sure you're not secretly racist when you realize a racial slur is part of your everyday vocabulary, like the word gypped from the word gypsy, which is a racial slur for the Romani. Yeah, get fucked. Anyways, let's so number one is all of your enemies have dark skin or otherwise look exactly the fucking same. I don't mean wearing a uniform. I mean like video game levels of exactly the goddamn same. Like I designed four pairs of legs and two faces to design an entire fucking army kind of the same. Now this is the most commonly seen with minions of the Dark Lord enemies. So like an army of orcs that are all a bunch of dark or green-skinned brutes that just so happen to have their very humanizing eyes completely covered or vaguely Eastern European soldiers that all share the name Ivan with the same hobbies of stomping on puppies and punching babies who all universally believe that their suspiciously skeletal supreme leader is absolutely in the right and are down to die for the cause. This is clearly a problem because you're not just being lazy. You're coding an entire culture as unforgivably evil that you've based on a real-world culture. At best, it looks like you're talking shit. At worst, you're doing a racism again. So, how do you fix this? Simple. Diversity. Have a few members of your story be from that culture, that multinational but still vaguely Eastern army. Maybe give them some moral qualms about killing their old allies, or 
Maybe even give them some humanizing moments of relating to the enemy's horde of minions. Or even better, make the minions humanized. Maybe have your sneaky hero with a boob window for no reason sneak past a couple of guards talking about their kid's upcoming birthday party, or one of them is asking for advice on how to ask Corporal Cunpuncher on a date that doesn't get the response their name would imply. Also, a really easy aesthetic thing, if you're drawing them, make their skin colors different for fuck's sake. And if you're just writing, don't even mention skin color. Ever. No one needs to know that the nameless and faceless mooks your heroes are lawn mowing over aren't white. And here's a sneaky little benefit for you. Humanizing these faceless hordes is such a good kick in the perennium for your audience. Something that a lot of us love doing. Right, guys? Why is no one agreeing with me on this? Now, my deep-seated desire to create a thing that causes people to suffer aside, point number two. All of your minority characters are stereotypes. So, let's say you have the diversity down. That's awesome. But that diversity doesn't mean jack all if your Indian coded dude is speaking of the thickest and most stereotypical Indian accent a human can produce while talking about Shiva. Or your character Caucasian saying share every third word and cooking gumbo more often than white people say the word mayonnaise. And speaking of white people, if your token white dude is coded to be a redneck and they say unironically, I love guns, beer, and tongue kissing my sister on the cooter, then that's also racism. I know plenty of rednecks that prefer bourbon. This is also a problem of either being lazy or a scumbag. What it also does on top of that is get unreasonably conservative people riled up and pulling a full cringy anime protagonist and pulling sunglasses out of their pocket saying, damn, I thought you wanted diversity, while striking a JoJo pose and pushing their sunglasses up with one finger thinking they've owned the libs but can't see the eye roll from behind the shades. And if that's your intention, why? Why do you want that, you fucking pervert? Is seeing painfully unfunny people think that being a dick is a joke? Something that makes you nut? Well, I mean, you're in the right place, I guess. So, how do you fix this? Step one is to look into stereotypes and see if they are A, from a very fucked up thing that happened, or B, a minor cultural footnote that Europeans just kind of decided was the whole thing that culture was about. Step two is to focus on your character as a person, and not just as a bundle of stereotypes. Don't treat your token POC character as a symbol of their race. That guy over there doesn't represent Asians Americans. He's just a dude named Josh that grew up in the suburb with two helicopter parents. Step three is introduce traits that play with the stereotypes, typically by countering or outright ignoring their existence. But if you're the same ethnicity as this character, and you really shouldn't do it otherwise, then go ahead and play into it. Basic-ass white boy Kevin over there does chug monster and talk with a surfer voice and thinks pepper is spicy, but he's also a complete character whose goals in life is almost entirely separate from those things. Like, he didn't go on this incredible space quest because the aliens had drywall they needed to be punched. He did it because Earth sucks and being the only human on a spaceship sounds fucking cool as fuck. Now, number three, minority men are dangerous and minority women are fat material. This one is actually just built on shitty human behavior. Worldwide, for a very long time, there's a narrative and propaganda, especially with those slimy fucking people over there that look noticeably different from us, want to fuck your wife and sister and daughter and make babies that look slightly different from you. And it's also a millennial thing to fetishize women that look different from you. So, once more into the breach. Let's say your cast is nice and diverse and aren't even stereotypes this time. Fantastic. What's that? You're showing gratuitous banny shots of the only Hispanic woman in the entire show? 
and your black guy character is only ever described as standing in a corner menacingly mean-mugging literally everyone? Okay, well, now I need to see your search history, because I can guarantee have Latina bookmarked on Pornhub are probably visiting websites that make a southern plantation owner call you a racist. And could this be a mistake caused by centuries of indoctrinated racism? Yeah. Duh. Just fix it and do better. Speaking of which, how do you do that? Well, easy. You take that ball of horniness and barely contained rage towards people that look different from you for no fucking reason, and you set it aside to write a story that actual humans will like. You know, humans that don't want to be constantly reminded about racism while they read you talk about how much you want to fuck a woman that can speak Spanish and how much you hate people with more melanin in your body than you. And then, before you pick that ball up, schedule a meeting with a therapist. That is, write actual fucking characters and focus on them being people, and the very last thing in your checklist, even after publishing, is your wild sex fantasies. Now, number four, all minorities are non-human. Say, for example, you're running a space opera adventure, and you have your crew of three humans, two big old beefy alien boys, five vaguely human but just blue, green, red fuchsia colored, and a tiny hairy imp with the face of a pug and arms longer than the distance between your father's expectations of you and where you are in life. But, oh, you forgot to make any of your humans diverse. So you race code all of your other aliens to be other ethnicities, and all of your humans are white people. Well, now you're doing it again. You're doing the exact fucking thing I've told you not to do this whole episode, you absolute buffoon. Now, this is clearly an issue given everything we've talked about with the pitfalls of race coding. But especially troubling here is the implication that humans are this particular color. Assigning non-humans to every other ethnicity on this god-abandoned planet of butt-fingering and landfills called Earth subconsciously implies your audience that you're saying every other ethnic group isn't human. So, quickly, let's fix this before my leftist comrades find you. And quick fix is that you don't have to justify diversity. Just, like, do it? I mean, it takes less world building than it does to explain why the blue human with three fingers make dreamcatchers. Just make your human crew three different colors. Because here's the buck wild thing, human ethnicities biologically are mostly palette swaps. If you're living in a world where Earth is united under a single government, it would be weird to not have a human cast in a ton of different shades. And yes, even the super special collector's edition palette swap you only get for spending 48 consecutive hours in-game and then buying the collector's bundle DLC. If you haven't unlocked that one yet, I'm not telling you what it is. And fifth is that your minority characters are treated as props with nothing to do but hopefully trick people into giving you diversity points. This is like if you had to do a YouTuber apology for doing an accidental racism and said, but I was allowed to say that, just ask my black friends. And then you slowly pull two identical cardboard cutouts of Shaquille O'Neal from behind the curtain like that's supposed to do anything. If during your story your audience can ask, hey, what are they doing? And metaphorically go third person mode and move the camera and see your minority characters blank face T-posing into a wall until you need to remind your audience that you're totally woke and diverse, you're doing it wrong. And why doesn't this count as diversity? Because we have diverse characters that could have been omitted with no impact on the story they aren't a character, they're a diversity point, which is a bad way to write and also doesn't do anything to help, but does really tell your audience that you don't give a shit about actually having diversity and are just there so you don't get fined. And what's the fix? You guessed it, give them something to do, like something that if they were removed from the story would break everything. Make this one character that is vaguely not Anglo 
and make them like the one person that actually knows the protocol for what to do when you wake up 250 years into the future. Or in a story that follows your typical group of scumbag adventurers around the countryside wrecking the local ecology and slaughtering things with no care given to local politics and policies, have them be the one that gets them out of trouble time and time again because they're really fucking good at speech and debate and constantly talks them out of prison and negotiates to get that MacGuffin they spent the entire rest of the story carrying. So that's how to tell if you're doing a sneaky accidental racism and how to fix it. Now we're going to assume that you haven't started writing yet and want to know how to write other ethnicities or you're like me and you're bulged along to your torso in fear that you're an accidental confederate. So here's how you write race according to Mitali Perkins in the article 10 Tips on Writing Race in Novels. So let's go down these in order. Tip 1. Forget about race and write the character you want to write unless race is actually important. If it isn't important, don't even think about it, dummy. A person's actual identity is more important than whatever benefits you think come from outwardly expressing their race. Tip number two. Don't pander diversity, do it legitimately. Your audience will know the difference, and they feel like you're pandering, you're going to turn literally everyone off. Like me saying I have magic cards. People that want diversity will see you don't care. People that couldn't be fucked either way will see you pandering to someone who isn't them and go pout in the corner like a middle child. And people who hate diversity will be looking online for your address to go ship on your house. And Vitaly Perkins also brings up two questions you should ask yourself if you find yourself pandering. Why are you describing the ethnicity of your characters? And if you're writing for a generation of readers who rarely mix and explore race and ethnicity, why aren't you doing the same? Basically, what's your hang-up? Tip 3. Let your audience create the cast if it's a non-visual medium. Besides some general descriptors, let your audience fill in the rest for what makes sense to them. The big benefit of this tip is that your audience creates the cast they're happy with, meaning you don't have to read their mind to make them happy. Just let them go buck and futz. Tip 4. Understand the relationship of your character's ethnicity to both themselves and also the world around them. While, sure, you could mix and match the ethnicity of your characters to your heart's content, unfortunately, in the real world, different ethnicities are treated differently, and this impacts how people behave. It's like gender-swapping your character. Like, yes, in a perfect world that should have no impact on who you are as a person, it does because of the expectations of others. It also covers how your characters think about their ethnic background, like if they're happy about it, ashamed, or just don't notice most of the time. Tip 5. Check your nonverbal descriptors. Going green with illness or red with rage or embarrassment are really only visible when someone's skin is pale enough to react really strongly to blood flow. The same is said for someone who's fucking platinum blonde or has blue eyes. These are all things associated with white people, so make sure that if you want a racially ambiguous character to leave these out completely. Tip 6. Question your visuals. Is your cast monochromatic or have token ethnicities? Why is that? Is your comic artist a lazy piece of shit or did you write a bunch of white people? Did your cover artist think that your novel would sell better if there was a nondescript conventionally attractive white teenage girl in a black t-shirt on the cover? Or did you say Asian more than five times and now the cover is a girl in a kimono? Ask yourself these questions, and if you realize it's a problem, ask for a change or change it yourself. Tip 7. Don't use jargon and transcribed accents. Just please don't. Unless you did your homework and can do the actual legitimate jargon, slang, diction, and sentence structure of that particular ethnicity instead of stereotypes. It's like if someone wanted to write a Canadian, so they start every sentence with, eh? Or a Pacific Northwesterner and started every sentence with, you know, I think the bitterness adds to the flavor, actually. I can say that one. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. 
Tip 8. You're allowed to write characters that aren't your own ethnicity. It's not legal, and the FBI can't stop you. Become ungovernable. Anyways, as long as you're respectful and actually know what you're talking about, which is very easy, you can write whoever you want. If you were relegated to writing only characters within your demographic, my writing would be even more boring than it already is. Imagine character after character of chunky white dude with mental problems and a real masochistic streak. That's entertaining like once or twice, not every time. Tip 9. Don't be afraid to push your skill cap. It's okay to not know what you're talking about and it's okay to be wrong. As long as you learn from it and correct it and try your best in the first place. That is for everything, but this specifically about growing your writing skills and becoming a better person by literally educating yourself into being less of an asshole. I mean, take me as an example, or as a whole. I rarely know what I'm talking about, but that doesn't stop me from trying. Obviously, also, this doesn't include being kind of a cock the first time you write a non-Anglo character, take a skill issue, and start fucking it up again. And tip 10, avoid being creepy when describing a person's ethnicity, like using food. It's cliche and kind of out of touch, and makes people think one of two things. One, chopping women up in the basement again a taste, or metaphorically, wanting to eat their genitals, which is fetishy again. Think of something unique to describe their skin tone. Or, do what I tend to do, and just describe where they come from, or outright say, this guy's Hispanic. Rather than jerk myself off calling the guy a Werther's I'd like to suck on. And with that, we're basically done with the advice. And I'm sure you're ready to receive him more of a lecture, huh? So, on to the soapbox. <laughs> Alright, with all of this research, where am I at with race coding? I hope it really shown through is that I think it's lazy. If you're actively world building and trying to make a really interesting, unique setting, this has absolutely no place. Even before I did all of the research into its history, I really only thought of it as a tool in my toolbox to use when I was really, really feeling lazy. And even then, I still had an inkling of the backwash effect. But then... D&D repealed the conflation of specific races, having specific skills, and it made me think a bit. I realized that using race coding as a really quick and easy writing tactic has too many pitfalls to be used lazily. It's also something that good artists that are total shitheads can use to be shitheads while hiding behind the shield of being lazy or ignorant. Because that's something we all understand. I hope you've all been in a position where someone calls us out for being lazy or ignorant and genuinely felt bad about it and tried to change. So it's hard to be an asshole to someone who on the surface looks like they're going through the same thing. But I also think that this trope can be really useful when done carefully and checked over by some more sensitive stereotypes and racism than you. And yes, white people, that means passing your story off to someone you trust that's not white. Or hell, even your most tuned in white friends. When do I think this trope is useful? mostly for allegories and to build the bones of your world. Because probably one of the easiest ways to world build something is to start with the familiar and change it to the unfamiliar, which unfortunately a lot of people stop with someone else's idea of familiar because they don't realize that what they think is weird is completely normal to someone else half a world away that they've never met. Will I continue to use race coding? I honestly can't say. I have faith in myself that I'm a good enough writer that I can alter enough to not be a copy-paste of the real-world ethnic group. But I also understand that I'm too fucking white to just slap 
a label onto a culture in some distant corner of my fancy map and give myself a clap on the nuts for having immersive world building. That being said, I think as a world building tool, using real world inspirations are fantastic and I will continue to do that. But much more cautiously and with a lot more attention towards the actual people in that culture rather than just what that culture looks like in my head. Okay, class dismissed. <laughs> Right, and there you have it. Probably not the jokes per minute you're used to, but that's because I was scared shitless. Honestly, one of my biggest fears while scripting this episode is saying something offensive by accident or getting the crosshair of someone knocking futz that decides the number of times I said ethnicity was enough to try to get me canceled. Anyways, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast feed, like it, leave a review, whatever else it is you can do on your platform of choice. Send me an email at waytatpods at gmail.com. That is W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com. With questions, concerns, opinions, compliments, insults, um, actuallys, reassurances, I'm not a total scumbag, your favorite fancy or sci-fi race, a fact of your ethnic studies degree, and my full name and address, anything else that you want to tell me. Remember to check out my other podcast, Waytat, where I talk about terrible things happening in real life and somehow get nowhere near as terrified as I did on this one episode. All right, have a good night, have fun, keep writing, and remember, never call someone a sexy hunk of candy, no matter how much you want them in your ass. This has been Why Are You Talking About This Nerd, and I've been your host, William. Good night.